Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. So glad to be with you today. We are actually closing down our Mission Impossible series that we began a few months ago. And uh, as I mentioned to you a little bit earlier, um, I'm just grateful that uh, God, again, just in his mercy, uh, just uh, I think that the word that he gave me late on Friday is going to be a word still in season for us today. So I want you to engage. We're just going to kind of get to it this morning. So over these last two months, we've been talking about the purpose and calling that God has placed on the life of every true believer. So when we say that God's got a plan for your life, God is definitely speaking to those of us that reach out to him, that we have a desire to be a true believer, a true follower of Jesus. And so we understand that God is not calling on us to sit on the bench, but to get in the game. Can somebody say amen with me today? God has this plan for us to be engaged. And I realize that sometimes when God calls and where we are and what God calls us to do can seem overwhelming, maybe even these last six or eight weeks together. You see, it might be a situation or circumstance that you are called to face. And with that, no matter how big it seems, that along with that comes a choice. So I want you to know that when God has a purpose and a plan for our life, it's not necessarily always easy, but what always comes with it is a choice. But the choice isn't necessarily difficult if we are prepared. It might seem impossible, but impossible situations are not as impossible if we are prepared for them. And that's what I want to challenge you with today. So I want you to know that you have got to be prepared that God has a calling on your life. If you don't feel today like you are prepared, then I've got two words for you this morning. Get prepared, all right? Get prepared. In fact, a lot of our new uh, apparel and our merch uh, that you're going to find back there goes along with uh, our series. And so maybe some of you want to grab these shirts that just say, Be On Mission, Right? So a lot of our merch this time around has a lot to do with some of the things that we have been talking about over the last couple of months that that keep it fresh and as a reminder that God has a purpose and a calling for my life, but I've got to choose uh, this desire to be on mission. One of the Old Testament prophets prophesied that God was going to do something big for Israel. And even if he told them what it was going to be, they wouldn't even believe it. How many think, wow, that sounds pretty good news, right? That sounds pretty awesome. God says, I'm going to do something that's going to be so big in your life that even if I told you, you wouldn't even believe it. I mean, how many would sign up for that, right? Like, hey, that's all I need to hear. I'm in. Unfortunately, what God was talking about is that he was going to let Israel go into captivity because all of their sinful ways. God says, listen, you're walking away and there's going to be a consequence. You're, You're choosing after everything that I've done for you, everything that I've provided for you, and yet you still choose to walk away from me. And with that, is going to come some consequence. And one of the guys who stood in the crosshairs of that massive decision was a guy by the name of Daniel. 
I know that most of all of you have probably heard him, but I'm going to give you just a couple of really quick things about his life today that relate to our desire to continue to follow him, his plan and his purpose, even when it seems impossible around us. Daniel chapter 1 starts this way. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, king over Israel, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Israel into his hands, along with many of the articles that were in the temple of God. So not only did Nebuchadnezzar come and, and take all of the people, but he took all of God's stuff in the temple, all of the holy stuff in the temple, and carried that away in this captivity as well. The king's plan was to take a number of young leaders from Israel and to train them in the ways of the Babylonians that they would then in turn train all of the Israelites into this new culture, this new way of living, uh, realizing that they would probably be in captivity for the rest of their lives. And so Daniel and some of his friends were brought into the palace. They were taught this brand new culture, this new way, this old way away from God. They were given books to read. They were given all of the food and the drink that their hearts could ever contend, that, that they were slowly being transformed from who they were and, and what they were called to live into something completely different. But we read this massive verse in chapter 1, verse 8, that Daniel resolved in all of these new things not to defile himself in these new and ungodly ways, but he resolved to keep his heart pure and holy before God Almighty. Somebody say resolved with me. Come on, say it. Daniel resolved. You see, there are going to be impossible situations that we are called to live out in our faith. Uh, in, in our community, in our workplace. But the only thing that will sustain us is that are we prepared to face these impossible situations? Well, you can be if you are resolved in your faith. I mean, let's be honest this morning today. If only we were better prepared, we could do greater things for the kingdom. I mean, think about your own life. Think about the church if we were better prepared, we could do greater things for the kingdom. The word would be a priority, not Netflix. Hello? If we were prepared for what God really wanted to do, if we really wanted God to move and we were better prepared, then greater things could take place. Prayer would be regular, not occasional. We would be filled with disciplines, not excuses. Hello? Resolve simply means to come to a definite and earnest decision. So I've got a question for us in the house today. When was the last time you were resolved in your faith? When was the last time you came to a definite and earnest decision? for your life, for your discipline, for your hunger for God, for your prayer life. You see, what most battle believers battle today is compromise. You see, the, the sad truth is, is that I'm not even sure if we battle compromise anymore. I think for many in the church, we just kind of ride the wave. Like, it's more about my existence. It's more about my comfort than God's call. Hello? 
You see, we live in a culture much like Daniel was facing. There is such a draw from evil. There is such a draw from our culture to compromise that we have allowed it to exist in our lives. It filters through our church and long has been the place where the church has been resolved, where we have made a definite and earnest decision that his way is better. I'm not sure how many of you start your day, your morning, by asking God, seriously, what is my assignment for today? If we are to be on mission, then why do we lack the simple idea to understand, God, what is it that you have? What is my mission today? It's the only way that the job is going to get done if we begin realizing that if God does have a plan, have a calling for my life, then I need to be on mission. And that I've got to get some understanding before I even begin my day. God, how are you going to use me today? God, how am I going to speak to somebody else about you today? God, who am I going to pray for today? God, who am I going to believe that you're going to do great and mighty things in their heart and in their life today because you're going to use me as a vessel today? This past week, Thania Tella did live out an old dream. Sergeant Anthony Atella, of right here of real life fame, took me on a ride along with the Erie Police Department. Some of you may not know, but originally when I was going to graduate high school, my desire was to be a state policeman. And unfortunately, that, that didn't work out. And I've always had kind of this in the back of my mind, this like law enforcement dream or, you know, you know being a cop and whatever. And so Anthony invited me. He said, hey, I'm, I'm working second shift. You want to ride along in the police car with me? Listen, he didn't have to ask me twice. I'm like, dude, I am in, right? It was awesome. I got a bulletproof vest to wear. I had my reflective dark Oakley glasses on. Dude, I mean, I was living the dream. It was crazy. It was amazing. We had to do, there was an accident on the Bayfront, and so we had to do a traffic stop. And so I was up on 8th Street, like, stopping traffic and directing traffic. Like, I had the vest on, the glasses. Like, people were stopping and, like, asking me permission to do things. I'm like, this is crazy, man. I'm like, no, no, you stop right there. Oh, hey, you go this way, right? And I'm kind of looking around like, am I allowed to do this? Like, I don't know. Like, better to ask forgiveness than permission, I guess, man. Like, I wasn't going to stop. It was awesome. We also had a little bit of action that night. I can't tell you about it because it's classified. And you don't have clearance, all right? I'm a GLG 20 now, so I'm allowed, so... Man, I'll tell you what, I'm in the car. I am texting Debbie some of the stuff that was going on. She texts me back honestly. She goes, you are living your dream. I'm like, you, you know, I can't even believe to tell you. Like, this is awesome, right? But do you know how we started the shift? Some of you probably know. Do you know how we started? Started with roll call. Started with roll call. Sergeant Atella, myself, sat up at the front desk, and all of the patrolmen came in, and there was a bundle of things that they had to go through. This is a priority for this shift. These are the people that we're looking for. This is the areas that, that, we, have to, that we have to have a mindset about. These are the things that, that we have got to watch over each other about. The first thing that we did was have roll call. 
And I want to challenge those of us in the church. How do we begin our morning with the purpose and the mission that God has given to you and I? I believe that we start with roll call. I believe that our morning time is to say, God, what is it are the things? Where, where do my eyes have to go today? Where is it that my heart has to move towards today? Who are the people that I got to talk to today? What are the things that you're going to impress me to do that, that I've got to do? Daniel was prepared. He was resolved for his mission. And so as we send you out today at the conclusion of this entire series, I want you to know these important roles that you and I have to fulfill so that God can work mightily through our lives. You and I have got to be resolved. We have got to make an immediate and a definite decision that we are going to follow his will and his ways for our lives. A few years later, Nebuchadnezzar dies and his grandson takes the throne. His name is Belshazzar. We'll read about it in Daniel chapter 5 and chapter 6. On one of these occasions, he throws a big party for thousands and thousands of people. In fact, so many people come that they run out of wine glasses. So there's an issue at the party. So Bashalzer says to his servants, I want you to go to the vault where all of God's articles that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple that were put in the vault, I want you to go get all of those sacred vessels, all those glasses, and I want you to bring them, and I want you to pass them out to the people so that they can drink their wine tonight. Let me tell you, big mistake. Belshazzar took holy things and used them for the casual. And I want you to hear the theme of this word today. You see, here was Daniel being drawn from a godly environment and being thrust into an ungodly environment. And now these months later, we recognize that this king of Babylon was taking God's holy things and distributing and using them casually. And I want to speak to you as a believer, and I want to speak to the church of God today Whereas are we guilty of the same things today? Where we take the holy things of God and we act as if it's casual usage today. Paul rebuked the Corinthians in Corinthians chapter 11 because when they were called to come to the Lord's table, when it was time for communion, they bickered and they complained and they double dipped into the bread and the wine. They just wanted to have another party. They just thought it was for them another chance to eat, another chance to drink, another chance to celebrate and do. And Paul rebuked them to say, do you not understand what this meal is all about? This meal is not for you and I to fill our bellies. It's for you and I to remember the sacrifice that God sent his son to provide eternal redemption for us. You are taking the holy and you are making it casual. And I rebuke you for that. Church, let me tell you today that his house, his house is holy. And I want to speak a direct word to you. A lot of us treat it casually. Obviously, I'm not going to speak directly to those of you here today, and I'm not speaking to those who have some vacation time, and they're away, but I'm taking to all of us that recognize that make a decision sometime during the week or even late on Saturday that says, ah, maybe I'll go, 
maybe I won't go. It all depends on how late I stay out Saturday night or how tired I am. I'll just catch it online in the morning in my PJs with my coffee. I'm here to tell you, church, that his house is holy. His church is holy. His people are holy. And we take this opportunity to gather as the people of God casually as if I have the choice to say, ah, will I go or will I not go? The word tells us that we should hold fast the profession of our faith, that we forsake not the opportunity that we assemble together and represent the church of Jesus Christ on the Lord's day in the Lord's house. We have taken the holy and we have made it casual. As if we have the choice. As if we are in control. If you wonder why things are crazy in your life, in your home, because you have not met roll call in the morning and because you have not made the priority the priority. Hold fast. Hebrews chapter 10 says. What does that mean? Hold fast involves not compromising in our relationships, our behaviors, or anything that might pull us away from our total commitment to God and obedience to his word. Holding fast embodies faithful perseverance in our Christian walk and life. Church, I want you to know that his house is holy. And when you have a mindset and an action that you are going to use the holy things as casual, I'm here to tell you, you're making a big mistake. Pastor Jim just looking to fill pews? No. I'm challenging you to live your faith on mission, according to his word, in obedience. To know that you have a purpose and a will for God to utilize and use your life. His house is holy. His tithe, his money is holy. And yet we treat it as if it's our own. You read through the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 27. The Bible says, and all of the money, all of the tithe, it is the Lord's and it is holy unto him. We feel like that we get to call the shot on this mission Somehow we boost our cred. We take the credit for the things that we're doing. But here I'm here to tell you this morning, we are not the management. We are the help. Hello? When it comes to his house, when it comes to his money, we are not the management. We are the humble servants. Daniel chapter 5, so this party is rocking. People are getting drunk, I'm sure. Things, all kinds of things are going on. And in the midst of it, Daniel chapter 5 reads us this. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appear. I mean, if this probably brought some sober moments, literally and figuratively, to this party, it happens. A human hand appears out of nowhere, and it wrote on the plaster of the wall, here's an important tip, near the lampstand in the royal palace. Why are we understood that it was near the lampstand? You see, because God, what is hidden in secret, his desire is always to bring it to the light. You see, you can run, but how many know you can't hide? 
Oh, you can hide for a while, but I'm here to tell you God's light is going to reveal. And this guy took what was holy and was using it casually. And when God was about to bring his righteousness, this hand comes out of nowhere and starts to scratch these letters on the plaster wall right near the lampstand in the holy palace. And the king watched the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. You see, God has a way of getting all of our attention, yes? And so he calls for all of his magicians and wise men and soothsayers to somehow, what is the meaning of, of what has been, some, someone explain to me, like, what's happening, I'm losing my mind, and no one, no one could understand the meaning. And then the queen remembers there's a man by the name of Daniel who talks to God early in the morning and a God of heaven who talks to him. Call Daniel. Daniel will know. And so Daniel is summoned to this festival. And the king says to him, if you can read this writing and tell me what it means... You will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck. And you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Wow, not a bad gig to show up to that, right? But this is what Daniel answers to the king. You can keep your gifts. And you can give the reward to someone else. You see, what Daniel is saying is, I'm not the management here. I'm just the help. I don't get it, and I don't do it for the gold necklaces and the fine dress. You see, I simply receive my mission and my message from God in the morning that this is what I am called to do, and I resolve. I purpose in my heart every day that I am going to serve him, and I am going to live for him. That God, whatever he chooses to reveal for me, I'm simply going to be the mouthpiece of, great God, of our great God. So what Daniel does is he postpones his promotion. You see, unlike us so many times that, boy, if the spotlight can show on us, boy, if we can be seen, if we can find the right position, if, if we can get our name known. But Daniel wasn't about self-promotion. He was about God-promotion. Listen, you want to change your environment, you want to change your family, you want to change your circumstances, then put God in the rightful place where he needs to be in your life and in your home. Probably 40 years ago now, at the beginning of the Christian music explosion that happened in the kind of late 70s into the early 80s, there was a kind of a folksy musician by the name of Keith Green. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember some of his music. It wasn't necessarily the music that myself probably at 20 years old would be drawn to listen to. Like I said, it was kind of folksy, kind of funny. But he had a way with the lyrics. He had a way of putting the message like right between your eyes. In fact, I'd encourage you, it's still like on Spotify or some of the playing services today, you just look them up. But he wrote a song now probably 40 years ago that just simply said, oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face 
is all I see. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. I want to take your word and shine it all around. But first, help me just to live it. Hello? Listen, before I'm like trying to be the big promoter, God, why don't you just like put it in me first? And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown for my reward is giving glory and honor to you. You see, we're not the management, we're the help. The mission isn't that we become famous, but that God is seen as famous. The message that the hand wrote on the wall was that God was about to bring this king to his knees. And that's what exactly would happen that night as we move through Daniel chapter 5 into chapter 6. Before the clock strikes midnight, the Persian army stormed the city. Belshazzar was killed, and Darius now sits on the throne and rules most of the world. Let me give you this last piece this morning. You see, here's what happens when you live out your mission. People that need to know, know. You see, if it's real within you, the people that need to know what God is doing in you, they'll know. But we always seem to play to the skeptic and the cynics in our lives. We always keep our mouth closed. We're always more fearful than bold. We always fight to realize that someone's going to come against us. Someone's going to make fun of us. Some of us is going to, uh, they're going to laugh at us. They're going to make our life difficult. And you know where most of us in the church, we bail and we give it to the cynic and the skeptic rather than living our life boldly for those that need to know. And I want you to know that those that need to know will know what God is doing in and through your life. They are waiting for you and I to launch out and to be bold in our faith. That's what they've been waiting for, for God to show up. And God wants to show up to them through you. So stop playing to the skeptic and the cynic. And let's go to those that are in need of the hand of God in their life and to pull them up and to know that God has a word for them. We're afraid we're going to be made fun of, be laughed at, be ridiculed. But listen, start living for those that need to know, church. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, this is quickly the last little point that I want to share with you. See, as Darius came to the throne, he appointed 120 governors, Daniel chapter 6, to rule throughout the kingdom. He set three administrators over all of those governors, and one of them was Daniel. The governor were made accountable to them, these administrators, so that the king might not suffer loss. Here's what it says about Daniel. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the governors by his exceptional qualities that the king noticed. Do you hear me today? For those that need, because the young boy purposed and resolved in his heart. Listen, some of you are already jumping ahead. You know the rest of the story that, that all of those other governors, that they, they were coming after Daniel. But the guy who needed to know the king, guess what? 
he knew. He knew what God was doing in Daniel's life. Daniel wasn't playing to the skeptic or the cynic. He had an audience of one. He was living for God in an evil place, in an impossible situation. He still resolved to serve God. And the king noticed and planned to set him over the entire kingdom. Wow. How many would love that promotion, right? Boy, this new king sees me above everybody else, and he's about to elevate me. Boy, how awesome is that? Except all these other 120 governors and those two other administrators, that's the last thing they wanted to happen. And so they wanted to remove Daniel. They wanted to eliminate him. But it says they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent in anything that he did. Somebody say amen. Listen, the world's going to come after you, but what are they going to come after you for? Man, I can't find anything wrong. In fact, it says, finally the men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with his God. Somebody, come on, shout amen. The only way we're going to get to him, it has to do something with his faith in Jesus. Whew. Boy, I wonder how many of us are guilty of God. How many of would say, man, if I went on trial and the only thing they could go after me was my relationship with God? Some of you, like, some of you are sweating beads right now, like, oh my God, Pastor Jim, they would have way more than that on me. <sighs> man, if they were coming after me to get me, ooh, there's a lot of skeletons in my closet. But the only thing they could get Daniel on is his faithfulness to God. Does that shake some of you this morning? How many of us would be guilty? The only thing that they could get on us is our love and our faithfulness for God. Hmm. See, that's why we sang, I will make room for you. I will make room for you. I will resolve all purpose in my heart. Listen, Daniel wasn't living in an easy environment. In fact, Daniel had it way harder than any of us that are sitting in this room today. And yet the only thing they could get him on is his faithfulness to his God. So they go to the king and they say, hey, listen, we've got this great idea. Like, you're amazing. You know, just start flowering him with praise and adoration. We think that for the next 30 days that people should only pray and revere you. Like, if anybody else gets caught praying to anybody else, anything else, we think you should throw them in the lion's den. What do you think about that? The king's like, well, it sounds pretty good to me. Do you want to know what Daniel did? When that decree went out, maybe Jocelyn or the band, if you guys are around, you can come help me. When that decree went out, if you pray to anyone other than Darius, you're going to get thrown into a lion's den. Do you know what Daniel did? Daniel stayed on mission. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how lonely it will be. I don't care how much I'll have to suffer. If it's the lion's den, then it's the lion's den. 
Come on, how many Daniel stories are at real life today? How many of us would truly say, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm in. Like, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving. Like, like this is what God's called me. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now Daniel, when he learned that the decree was published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem, and three times every day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just like he had done every other day in his life. Somebody say Jesus today. What happens when they try to throttle you? What happens when they tell you, no, you can't do this? What happens if they tell you you're going to get in trouble? Some of you probably faced it. Pastor Jim, they say I could lose my job. They tell me they're going to take away my bonus. They're going to eliminate my vacation days. Yeah, well, they told Daniel, we're going to kill you. We're going to throw you in a lion's den. We're going to let you get torn to pieces by lions. What did Daniel do? Listen, I'm not here to tell you. I'm just telling you the story. What did Daniel do? He went back up to the top room, opened up the windows. Hello? No undercover Christian here. No, if I just keep my head down, like just, you know, keep my nose clean, like I'll just sneak my way. No. Out to the, opened up the windows like he had done every other day and began to pray out loud to the God Jehovah. See, Daniel projected his mission. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power unto salvation. Amen. It's real. As much as I try to deny it, I know in my heart of hearts I can't deny that God is real. I'm here to tell you in these last six or eight weeks that God, for the true believer, has a plan, has a purpose, has a mission. Listen, what you're going through today, you might not be able to see some glorious end. Listen, we'd all sign up for that. What, Pastor Jim, I'm going to get recognized? People are going to know my name? I'm going to be on top of the mountain? Sign me up. No. Sometimes it's darkness. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's losing a job. Listen, I don't know what's out there, but God wants to know what is in here. Hello. In light of the circumstances around me, I trust in him and him alone. Daniel goes to the top floor and he opens up the windows and shouts his praise to God. Listen, what would our world look like? What would your world look like if you weren't afraid to project your mission, whatever it cost? So I want to challenge you with that today. Your mission, should you choose to accept it today, is to be prepared for your calling, to promote his glory, to project his kingdom. Listen, this sermon is about to self-destruct in five seconds, okay? I want you to stand with me in this place today. And I want to pray over you this morning. Man, God has been so good and so powerful and so real to us. But I want you to go with making a decision today. 
Listen, maybe it's just the next step. Don't, you don't have to get ahead. Maybe today some of you just need to decide your way is better. Your way is better. I've been confused. I've been trying to find me. I've been trying to, to see what it is for, for whatever I have to do. Well, maybe decision is to say, God, I'm going to do whatever it is that you have for me, what you want to do in my life. Maybe that's the next step. Maybe it's still dark. Maybe there's still a lot of decision. Maybe there's still some sickness. Maybe there's still some struggle in your home and you're overwhelmed. Well, maybe the next step is to have a roll call to say, God, today my mission is to hear from you, to go after what it is that you have for me today, to love unconditionally, to fight relentlessly, to believe wholeheartedly that you have a plan and purpose for my life and I'm not going to give up. And I'm not going to live to the skeptic or the cynic anymore. Hello? I'm done with that. Because the people that need to know are going to know you're the real deal. That what you have surging in your veins is exactly what they need, what they've been longing for. You are going to be that one. And I want to pray that over you. I want to bless that on you this morning. For those of you that have been watching with us online, like I said, there is no way to replicate what has been happening in the house today. Amen? How many of you wish that I would have remembered sermon number one and not had sermon number two today, right? Like, dang, man, sermon one was probably way easier than this one. So while I'm just feeling the boldness on the way out today, if some of you are at home today, just because you had a late night and you blew off church, shame on you. Shame on you. Hello? Listen, the weird thing that I found about real life over these last 12, 13 years is like the harder I am, the more you love it. So like, right? Father, I pray over this house today. I pray your blessing, your touch, your anointing. God, we are nothing but more than grateful for what you have done by showing up today in this place. God, for giving me an opportunity, Lord, to hear from your voice late on Friday night in a panic to say... God, I, I, I got to hear from you again. I got to hear you twice this week. But yet, God, I know that as you spoke these words, that this is really the message. This is the words that you had for your church today. And so, God, we, we do receive it. It's hard. It's tough. But, God, we receive so that we can be changed to help change the world around us today. So, God, we thank you that you've been so faithful. We're blessed today. And now we choose to live out. It's roll call time for us to take the gospel take the message for those that hear this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.